Welcome to Copy Chief Radio. I'm your host, Kevin Rogers. This is the show where you hear directly from all the experts at copychief.com how to write better, sell more, and have a greater impact using the power of your words. Let's do it. Hey, welcome back to Copy Chief Radio. It's Kev Rogers here. Again, joined by my man, Max Ham. What's up, Max? What's going on? Back in the house. Good to have you back in the house, man. This is going to be a, a great episode. That's how I start every episode. And it's always true. <laughs> See, I like to set a standard and then have to live up to it. Yeah, they're all great. Don't worry about a thing. <laughs> they're great. Uh, this Again, this is what we do on Copy Chief. By the way, if you're new to the show, welcome. And uh, where you can find... More about what we're discussing here is at copychief.com. Copychief is a free resource for you to get lots of great articles about how to tell better stories and how to sell better and, and write better copy. There is also a private membership forum where the real stuff goes down. That's where people like Max and uh, lots of other pro copywriters and, and experienced marketers get together, help each other, do better work. And it's a really cool place, kind of like a like a like a, a live marketing laboratory. We're all uh, helping each other uh, with real live case studies where actual money is coming in, so we see what works and what doesn't. Really cool. So check us out at copychief.com. One of the threads inside Copychief, inside the membership form, is by our long-term member Bruce Chenoweth, and Bruce is talking about. Uh, uh, the greatest sales uh, lesson he ever learned. And Max, he's, he's referencing a classic piece of television history from the Johnny Carson show. Uh, yeah. Ha- had you ever seen this clip before? I haven't seen the clip, but um, the same email that Bruce originally referenced, it was a Ben Settle email, and he was the guy who told the story. And um, I actually tried finding the clip online, but I couldn't. Yeah, I, I did um, too today. I don't know that... I found other stuff labeled that, but I didn't find that actual clip. Yeah, it's it's one of those hidden mysteries. Yeah, I wonder, it's got to be out there somewhere. But uh, essentially, we'll recap. Here's how it goes down. So Johnny has a guest on, and he's been named the world's greatest salesman. Uh, and during the interview, Johnny says, well, show us why you're the world's greatest salesman. Sell me something. And the guest says, uh, okay, Johnny, what would you like me to sell you? Johnny says, uh, oh, it's just anything. Uh, so Johnny looks around, he sees the big ashtray that he keeps on his desk, and he says, all right, sell me this ashtray. And the salesman says, okay, Johnny, I'll be glad to sell you that ashtray. But first, tell me why you would want an ashtray like that. Johnny says, uh, well, it's a nice ashtray. I smoke and my guests smoke. I'd, I'd like to have an ashtray like that to put on my desk. The salesman says, I see. So how much would you be willing to pay for that ashtray, Johnny? Johnny says, well, it's a nice ashtray. I suppose I'd be willing to pay around $25 for it. The salesman says, $25 for that ashtray. Okay, Johnny, I guess I'll let you have it for that. <laughs> Boom. So, so Johnny sits there in stunned silence, and then you know him and the crowd all crack up because in what? you know Five or six uh, sentences, this guy just sold Johnny his own ashtray. Uh, and, it, and it's a great example of what needs to happen in a sale and how natural of a a conversation it can be when we know that our prospect wants what we have. Yeah, it's so brilliant, isn't it? I mean, it didn't look like uh, anyone was selling anybody anything. It looked like they were just talking and hanging out. 
And and the real kicker is he had Johnny sell himself on the ashtray. It wasn't even him persuading him. Right. Yeah, it's like and, sort of like uh, Dean Jackson says, compel over convince. Exactly. Yeah. And so he just, you know, that that key question there where he says, "Sure, I'll I'll be happy to sell you that ashtray, but first, so he's but first means let's not worry about the sale right now, right? Yeah. Uh, tell me why you would want an ashtray like that. And again, all great sales are Socratic in that you just have to ask the right questions. Uh, and he asks Johnny why he'd want the ashtray and Johnny begins to sell himself on why he would have the ashtray. And then all he needs to know is what's it worth to you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's that brilliant. Simple. So yeah. what do we take from this? And, and you know, how do we, when do we need to be thinking about keeping it this simple max when we're, when we're writing copy? Uh, I think a, a key question to remember here is uh, always ask yourself if they're already sold, uh, why am I still pitching? Mm. And, and, if you can always kind of feed back the whole sales interaction or the whole copywriting interaction back in the prospect's mind, you're always going to land in, in, in a sort of like a, an island where it's no longer me trying to persuade them, but they're actually selling themselves on the product. Um, here's here's a, another point that, that is directly related to that. At the end of the day, what is the end result that I am looking for in this interaction? Am I here to uh, put on a performance? Am I here to make somebody laugh? Am I here for uh, the joke? Or am I here to close the sale and get this deal done and make this person the owner of the product? Mm -hmm. And if they're already sold, then why am I still trying to flex my salesmanship and writing muscle? Yeah, good point. Right. It's like you see it all the time, too. It's like, uh, by the way, this is a new pet peeve of mine in copy. Uh, I'm going to we're going to get to that in a second, but first, right? And it's interesting <laughs> because yeah. we just talked about how powerful but first is in the right context, you know, yes. when you're saying, okay, let's not worry about that. Let's talk about this. And face-to-face, -face, I think it's it's really effective because we can read the other person and we know how much of their attention they're going to afford us to do the butt first and explain what's important, right? Exactly. I, I, I think in video, that has been uh, overused enough to where people take it as uh, a cue to get the hell out of there. That this yeah. is going to be a long video. Uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. Here's all the stuff you want to hear, and I'm going to get to that. But first, let me tell you some long-ass story that may or may not help you know what you need to know right and now yeah so, so you're saying i need a lot of trust from you right now because i'm gonna i'm gonna eat up more of your time and yeah to me i think in video and sales video we're better off just getting to what the hell we want to say and not do the butt first exactly um and and tying this back to uh, the the classic uh gene schwartz uh sophistication levels of a market mm -hmm. if they've already familiarize themselves with all the intricacies and the details of the product or the service, then it, I, it doesn't matter how much better that part of your writing is or how clever it is. They've already heard it and seen it. And they just 
get to selling the damn thing already, as John Carlton would say. (laughs) Exactly right. That's the thing. And you're exactly right. It's it, it does go back to Schwartz. And if you're in tune with your market and you know they want what you have, uh, sell the damn thing. And that's why, you know, you see people trying to kind of do both. And it, it can be effective. You see, uh, you know, this trend started a few years back where the, the the order button would be at the top of the sales page, right? And it's right. the idea that if somebody comes here ready to go, let's not make them scroll around and find the order button. There it is. If you're ready to go, great. If you're not, then start reading. Um, exactly. I suppose- there's a, there's a that, that reminds me of another example real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, if a lot of VSLs still do that, um, you have to go through the 30 or 40 minute presentation before you can add to cart or buy now. Yeah, that's death anymore. Like, I don't it, think you can you can do that. You know, when we were always testing uh, timing and, and I won't say that some of the tests did win when people had to wait for 20 or 30 minutes, but. Uh, I think those days are over. I think attention spans have shortened. Video is much more prevalent. When video was new and people were still like kind of compelled by the whole idea of watching like text roll by and basically being read a story, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it, you, you could have people wait that long. And, but the, the, the reason people wait so long is they think, well, uh, the, the great thing about video is that people are like, finally I get to control the pitch. And that's why there was no controls. There was no way to fast forward. There's no way to find out how long this video was. It's like, look, if you're here and I've compelled you to hear this message because I'm promising that just watching this presentation is going to solve a problem for you, then just hang with me. Uh, and it was very effective at first. Um, anymore, and like we talked about on the previous episode, like with, like with video, the first thing people are trained to do now is go, how long is this damn thing? Uh, and if, <laughs> yeah. if if you can't find out that information, you're going to just lose so many people that it's going to it's going to hurt your overall numbers. So true. And just to kind of bring I like to do bring things back to like a belly to belly sales situation mm-hmm. uh, to see what the real life equivalent of that would be. Um, I, I, I know I always bring car dealerships as an example, but um, I think it's like a classic sales situation and I've spent mm-hmm. uh, some time in, in automotive and hung out with a lot of dealers and, and, and salespeople in, in automotive. And th- so suppose like a hypothetical scenario, uh, a woman walks into a car dealership and she's looking for a particular model in a particular cuddle, color. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say she wants it in, in sapphire blue. She's already made up her mind. Uh, today you'll find that most customers are already savvy enough to go online and find the exact thing that they want and then go to the dealership. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's expecting you to literally just point her to the car and take her out on the test drive. But what what an average sales pe- salesperson would do is they would stand there and, and they would give a 17-minute pitch about the car when she's already sold on it. Right. So they, they feel when, like, yeah, like, well – you know, let me get to all the objections before I let you actually have what the, what the hell you want, right? Exactly. And the problem with that is that when you start doing that, you might raise objections that were never there in the first place. Right. Yeah. I think there's a balance, you know, in that particular situation. We know that people have done research. Like if somebody comes in with a folder full of printed out research, they know the MSRP of the car, 
They know your total cost. They, they really dug in and understand how your numbers work. Uh, you've got to combat that with something, right? But yeah. the best way to get that sale is to go, all right, catch me up to what you know or what, what, what you think you know, and then I'll do my job of helping you, helping refocus how it really is because obviously you don't work here. <laughs> and you may yeah. you may not know as much as you think you know, but ultimately you know you're dealing with a prospect who uh, has a very clear idea about what they want and what they're willing to pay for it, and then it's sort of just about making the numbers work. Exactly, and and the brilliant part of this, uh, bringing it back to our initial example with Johnny Carson, uh, when the prospect does that review with you after you ask them, uh, you know, you test their knowledge, they're selling themselves again on the product or the service. It's like work done for you. Yeah, exactly. And it's also, you bring up a great point about, you know, Melanie Saladino has that great training in Copy Chief called the nine buyer types. And it's all about understanding that uh, a lot of people who will want your product have different criteria for deciding to move ahead with a sale, right? Yeah. And so the buyer you're describing, I, I don't know exactly Melanie's name for it. But it's basically like the, the show me buyer. It's like, look, I'm coming to you educated. I need to know I'm getting the best deal. And now yes. show me how you're going to honor that. Convince me that this is a really good deal because it's important to me to be able to go brag to people that I got the best deal possible, right? Yeah, it's uh, almost like an ego stroke there. Yeah, and the, but, there's yeah. Other, but there's other buyer type. And so it's important to realize, okay, that's what the kind of buyer this person is. And I don't – they're not going to – emotion is not as important to them. There's other people who come in and they walk on the lot and they say – you say, hey, uh, w- w- what brings you in today? And they say – Ah, you know, I don't know if I can uh, really afford it or not, but uh, my car is just like, it's, it's just embarrassed by it. You know, it's, it's, it's rusting out. It breaks down to me all the time. Yeah. Uh, it might tell a story about how they went out to a club and they had to valet and like the, the valet pulled up in their car and they were mortified. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's yeah. all emotion. And then, so, so suddenly, totally an experienced salesman's doing a totally different pitch on that person than he would to the person who comes in with the binder full of facts. Yeah, exactly. But exactly. At the end of the day, it's it's the the sale starts with where are they? What's their sophistication level? And one of the quickest ways to kill the sale is by going down six different rabbit holes that aren't necessary based on where that person is. Exactly. And and that reminds me of another point. Um I don't know if you've read uh, Dan Kennedy's new book, Speak to Sell. No. Uh, but uh, the, he spends about half the book uh, discussing the idea of selling on stage and basically moving away from the model of uh, one-to-one to one-to-many. And he describes all these seminars that he goes to and all these uh, marketers and salespeople who go up on stage and they forget the one thing that they're there to do. They forget that they're to make sales. Hmm. They're not there for performance. They're not there for laughs. They're not there for jokes. And that most of them, if not all of them, uh, leave empty-handed while Dan Kennedy saunters off with, with a all lot of the, cash in his pocket. All the money. <laughs> all the money, baby. <laughs> uh, and, and here's the thing. like I'm not against uh, putting a little bit of showmanship. Uh, uh, we, we, we both understand that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a difference between uh, the person running the seminar saying, all right, Max, Kev, 
no matter what you do, people are going to buy. So go on stage and go nuts. I'm like, okay, <laughs> sign me up. <laughs> right. But that's just not the reality. The reality is you're there to make a sale and, and you know what your prospect wants. So bridge that gap. And no matter how many times you rehearse your sales pitch or no matter how many times you've written that sales letter, how much you perfected it, if your market is in the red zone, as we keep bringing it back to the four by six formula, mm -hmm. if there if there's an urgent need, then let's cut the pitch and let's just sell the damn thing. Yeah, great point, great point. And it's interesting, again, we talked about in the humor episode a couple back about just knowing knowing your audience and knowing the intent of your message, right? And yes. Now, I'm a guy who still, I really crave the performance, right? And so Same. Yeah. as a result, I, I don't do pitch events. I, I, at this point in my career, have no interest in selling from stage, you know? Right. Like, I would much rather get so good at presenting that I could, you know, make a nice fee to come and, and, be, and do a keynote. Right. Uh, because to me, when you sell from stage, it, it just changes the whole atmosphere of it. You know, I've yeah. been at those events. I've been in the back of those events. And all every speaker thinks about is who sold the most. Right. right. Whereas yeah. you go to a no pitch event and all every speaker cares about is who had a great set, like who, who really affected people, who were right. people, who were people talking about. Um, and I, I just think every audience would much rather be at the no pitch event where everybody's just kind of to use a phrase from comedy trying to kill the room. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> but to, to, it, there is a huge world out there where, like Dan's talking about, that is the purpose for it. Everybody's understanding that every speaker is going to pitch and has a program. And there's really nothing wrong with that. Uh, yeah. And so it's a great lesson in the context of that. But I just wanted to bring back the other important lesson, which is you do have a choice. You can you should do one or the other. It, it can't really be both. And that that's, sounds like what Dan's saying is if you're there to sell, start with that. Like that's yeah. the number one priority. Uh, and if you can get some laughs along the way and do other things, as Dan does so masterfully, he's one of the best speakers you'll ever see. Um, yeah then great but don't forget why you're there exactly yeah very cool good stuff max yeah great episode uh nice and tight anything else anything we didn't cover before we wrap up here uh no i think we've got it all uh just bringing it back to uh our greatest salesman in the world uh, i think his name was fred herman actually okay. uh, if i remember looking him up and he was a part of uh earl nightingale's uh personal development oh, uh man. kingdom uh so Remember what the whole thing is about, and if they're already sold, then just make them an owner and sell the damn thing. Yeah, I love it. And don't say but first. Uh, yeah. Video <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great. Thanks for doing it, Max. Appreciate it. Great job. And we'll do Appreciate it, it brother. That was fun. Hey, thanks for listening. I hope you dug the show. Come on over to copychief.com. That's where you'll find all the backlog, all the transcribes, all the show notes, and all the free weekly copywriting tips. Copychief.com.